Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. A lot to talk about from the weekend. We have Reporter Wars, Keith Pompey versus Daryl Morey versus Kyle Newbeck. We've got Ann Sanfilippo coming up at 1215 to talk everything flyers from the trades, the deals that are going down, that are not going down, to Mishkov at the draft, to the NHL draft in general. We'll get to him at 1215. And we got more. We got more. Carson Wentz hunts bears. I don't think that's anything, uh, any, any news of any relevance to anybody, but you know, people got upset. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Jalen Hurts allegedly being insecure, according to Marcus Hayes. And But first, we're going to talk to my guy, Kevin Kincaid, fresh off a weekend. How are you, buddy? Good, man. How you doing? I saw that wide shot there. What, you got a vacuum cleaner behind you and to the right? Yeah, I didn't uh, – I, I don't know. I bought a tie yesterday, so I forgot to get that off. So sorry about that. Usually it's a pretty professional – uh, background over here with unhung pictures and bad feng shui, according to some of you. But, you know, I moved it, so we're good. And, yeah, there's a vacuum cleaner over there in the corner. You know, okay. sometimes well, I like to do that. You got a wedding coming up? You got, like, like wedding season or something? You need to up your tie game? Is that, is Bro, that <laughs> I'm too busy. You have two kids. Does it ever get less busy? Like, 30th birthdays and wedding season are insane. Terrible. I love all my friends. I'm glad yeah. I have friends. I'm glad I have friends that invite me to weddings. I'm glad I have friends that are turning 30 years old. Holy shit. Yeah. Is it insane? Well, when you have two kids, you're going to be dreaming of wedding season okay. at like age right. 29 or 30. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not, cause at least you get a break. At least you get to like sleep in the next day, you know? That is true. Yeah. I'm complaining about like drinking and playing beer games and going out to bars and going to good restaurants and enjoying people's company and stuff. And it's a lot of money though, man. It's a lot of money. You guys like all your, you know, all your friends are getting married at like 28, 29, 30, whatever that stretch you're like spending, like how, how many dollars doing all that shit every summer, you know, but it's better than it used to be because I feel like a lot of people used to get married at like 24, 25, 26. And I remember Kyle at 24, 25, 26 didn't have the most disposable of income. I definitely have more income now, thank God, than I do or did at 24, 25, 26. So I'd rather my friends get married mm. into uh, in, in their late 20s, early 30s. But there's a lot of cash going out and not as much coming in. So yeah, if you see yeah. me uh, create some new T-shirts, if you see me selling myself out there on Broad and Chestnut, if you see you know some other wacky ideas that I'm doing, it's all for the cash, baby. It's, it's all, all to cash. afford these 30th birthday parties and those $138 uh, slack suit pants I bought yesterday at Men's Warehouse. What is going on? Yeah, I, my cousin got married on Saturday at Bartram's Garden, Southwest Philadelphia. So, uh, and in lieu of, uh, they don't need anything. They didn't need like pots and pans or like, uh, you know, baking uh, accessories or pillowcases or whatever else newlyweds need. So they asked us to donate to their uh, honeymoon instead. They're going to go to Tanzania. You know where Tanzania wow. is, Pagan? Uh, I would say Africa. It's in Africa. Yeah. So. We were happy to oblige, man. It's about experiences and not possessions for the uh, for the. Well, she's not a Zoomer; she's a millennial. But one hundred percent. And I'm and I'm yeah. sorry for anybody who's like over the age of thirty, over the age of thirty five. And I'm complaining about like going to thirties birthday parties and weddings. I apologize Rough. to any of our our listeners above my age. Um, but you know what? It's just kind of you know hit me right in the face, and I gotta appreciate mm. it more. So I'm glad I uh, I'm glad I got put in my fa put in my place. Excuse me. Uh, 
All right, Kev. Yeah. Let's, let's get to the real brass tacks over the weekend. Sure. Uh, before we have Anthony come on in about 10 minutes. Keith Pompey versus Daryl Morey versus Kyle Newbeck. Anyone who didn't follow the story, I'll give you a, a brief a synopsis on it. Keith Pompey had a couple reports that came out this weekend. Ones that involved trading Tobias Harris. First, Keith reports interest from the Suns in a swap for DeAndre Ayton. The Sixers go back to him and say, hey, listen, we don't want Ayton. We've already got an MVP guy. Who's our who's our center? So the Suns, according to Keith Pompey, say, "Hey, go find a third team." Basically, telling the Sixers to go find a third team if they want, you know, Tobias Harris to be traded to the Suns. He then reports allegedly that Daryl Morey offered Tobias Harris for Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and a draft pick to the Cavaliers. A pretty outlandish deal, I think everyone can agree with. Even the biggest uh, supporters of of Tobias Harris could say. Then on Monday, early Monday, Daryl Morey responds to a tweet from Hoops Reference saying, how many times are people going to fall for Keith Pompey before y'all realize he's not an accurate source? And Daryl replies with a Charlie Brown gif that makes it look like he's he's mocking Pompey's reports always being wrong. And then we have Kyle Newbeck from the Philly Voice with, I would agree with this, that it's the, probably the nicest evisceration. I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, Keith has a family. Kyle Newbeck from the clouds. Um, but basically just saying, hey, you know, those draft pit, those uh, those trades involving that were illegal. The Suns asking the Sixers to do a, to do a, uh, to bring a third team in for the trade isn't likely. Kind of in the nicest way, calling Keith's reporting bullshit. Now, Kev used to work with both of these guys. Keith, friend of the program, Kyle Newbeck, liked him as well, never come on, but you know, we'd have him on whenever he'd want. What do you look at when you uh when you see someone's reporting get questioned, basically, in, in the Philly? Well, first off, he said, well, did Newbeck say was um the Cleveland deal? Was illegal, right? It was illegal, but not the the Suns one, right? The Suns deal wasn't illegal. Yeah. It was more that it was just weird that the Suns that they would it's, not. It's not typical. The Suns would ask them, "Oh, you don't want DeAndre Ayton? All right, go find a third team." More, it was more. So he was saying that was more implausible. The other one would not work based on the CBA rules and whatnot. Yeah. What do, where do I go when I look at people's uh, reports being wrong um, or allegedly being wrong? Well, you know, I, first thing I do is I go back to Joe St. Alquito, you know, and, uh, you know, just as like a basic, like entry level thing, it's just hard for me to, to criticize anybody's uh, sources or anybody's reporting because, uh, you know, Joe got hammered for that. And then over the course of like the next year, year and a half or whatever, it ended up that he was, uh, you know, corroborated. Hang on one second. Here. Yeah. Joe, get out of there. Get out of there. He was corroborated. But right, because he, he got he got killed right off the bat. And everybody's like, this is fake news and you're full of shit and all this stuff. Then it ended up not not being fake news. OK. But um that being said, I've been on the other side of this, so it's easy for for me to understand that, you know, really like sources can come from anywhere and information can come from from anywhere, you know, and I think you're always accused of like, I think people always think that like something is leaked to you or somebody's got a motive behind giving you information or you're working for an agent or there's always some kind of, um, you know, uh, that's a phrase I'm looking for. Some some like motivation like behind putting information out here. I think what people were kind of inadvertently accusing Keith was was taking information from Tobias's dad slash agent, right? I mean, is that kind of what the suggestion was here? It was definitely felt like it was an agent led. Kind of hinted, like I think it was hinted at that. Um, 
and again, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't, it's just, I don't, that's why I just don't like jumping into the fray with this kind of stuff because like, I don't fucking know what anybody's sources are. Like I, my best sources that I have when I was doing the union stuff were what I would describe as like a, like a proxy perhaps. Um, you know, so for instance, uh, one of the, one of the best sources I have is somebody who was close to somebody else and that somebody else would tell everything to this person I knew. And then they would just tell it to me. So you were you knew you were getting information that was unfiltered and they couldn't put a spin on it or they couldn't bullshit you because they didn't know that that information was being passed on to a reporter. You know what I'm saying? I think the one common misconception that everybody has in making these assumptions of, of how this stuff works is that not everything is, is a leak or not everything is leaked on purpose. Not everything is put out there uh, with some kind of spin in order to generate some kind of discourse or to, to you know, curry you know favor in the in the public realm like not everything is given to a reporter by like an agent who wants his client to benefit from it you know it's not it's not always like that i mean there are genuinely pieces of information that can be pulled that they didn't intend to get out there you know and i don't know if that again i don't know if that's the case of any of this stuff here it's just hard for me to like jump in and make a judgment one way or another just because i know there's so many different moving parts to it different ways that you can procure information and, and break stories and whatnot yeah and I, and I hear you. And hey, listen, maybe Keith is more locked in on the Sixers and, and Kyle Newbeck is locked in on the Sixers, the CBA. Like, we don't we don't know. Like, you know, maybe Kyle knows the CBA better than better than Keith does. Maybe he's mm -hmm. you know, he knows the Cavs tradable assets more than Keith. Keith might just be, you know, locked in on the Sixers in a way. But like uh, this 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 second report about the Cavs trade, mm -hmm. it just it, it felt so outlandish that it was like it felt like it was a joke in a way from Daryl Morey because there's yeah. even the staunchest, even Tobias Harris's dad, the staunchest Tobias Harris reporter who thinks he's an assassin level scorer, according to the guys over at Liberty Ballers. Yeah, 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 that thing. Even, we didn't even do. I didn't even get the assassin thing up on the site. <laughs> I know. I we'll talk about that. Yeah. Even that is just like if you look at a top five center, a top five pick. And a draft pick coming back for Tobias Harris, who's making $40 million way out of his supposed price range. I think everyone would be able to look at that. And if they got fed that, I think if you got fed that, if I got fed that, we wouldn't report that on the site. And I mean, we don't hold ourselves to the journalistic standards that, you know, the Inquirer or other beat reporters like The Athletic or those guys uh, hold themselves to. So that's where I just kind of like Keith Pompey, friend of the program, love the guy. Yeah, yeah. I just... I don't know. I, I think I think I could see through the level of bullshit. I think even the common fan who might be, you know, five levels away from the media can see the level of bullshit that it was kind of reported on. Well, you're going to have to right. You're going to just decide whether the information you're being given or you're going to have to ask yourself, hey, is this plausible? You know, um, and that's really how you determine. I think the hardest thing to do as a reporter, honestly, is like, you know, determine what's bullshit and what's not. You know, who's feeding you real stuff and who's feeding you not real stuff. I mean, that's why I liked working proxies better than anything, because because they didn't know that that information was getting to me. They couldn't bullshit it, bullshit their way through it. I'll give you another example. When I was trying to figure out what happened with Mike Missanelli leaving the Fanatic, I talked to like 20 people, combination of text messages and phone calls and emails and stuff like that. I got 40 different stories from like all those people. And so you're sitting there thinking to yourself, like, all right, who, who is bullshitting me and why? And then you think, who wants, what is beneficial? What does this person want out there? You know, what's the motivation for them feeding you this information? And, you know, in those cases, like, all you can really do is just try to, like, take the take pieces from every single, you know, discussion that you've had or text message interaction that you've had and kind of, like, look for common threads and say, all right, this 
five people mentioned this, three people mentioned this, only one person mentioned this. You know, you try to you try to grab the the common threads there and put something together because you're always just there's a lot of gaslighting, there's a lot of bullshitting that goes into it, and you always have to consider the source. You know, agents are tough. Agents, I don't really mess around with. And never I really wouldn't have. trust an agent. An agent would be like a lawyer, like a lawyer to me. An agent would be like a lawyer. Like I can't trust a lawyer, like an opposing lawyer or something like that. Like, but, but if you build a good, yeah, but I mean, if you build a good relationship with an agent to the point where like they know that you have the other side of it, you know, I mean, you may be able to get something fair out of them. I, you know, it's interesting with the Sixers is, is Sixers are kind of like the Eagles in the sense that nobody on the Sixers beat really breaks stories you know i mean most of the stuff that comes out about the nba and the nfl is from who it's from Schefter, it's from field yates and ian rapaport and and then woge and shams on the other side and while people like kyle and keith get like you know the occasional good like behind the scenes kind of look they're not out there like saying this is a done deal you know gerald henderson is going here you know what i mean it's so the sixers don't have a ton of you know, the Sixers aren't really super like involved with talking to the local beats and like giving them stuff out, right? Or or d- divulging a lot of uh, background information or or stuff that's even on the record, you know. So I think it's hard to kind of, you know, I think you always that's why we always like look to like the Woges and the Shams and the National people for that concrete like solid. Okay, this is this is happening, you know. The beats are really good at breaking down the X's and O's. I've said this before, but we I really wish there was somebody on the beat who could have told the Doc Rivers story. Like, what happened? What was the inner workings of it? What was the inner workings of him with Daryl Morey? What was yeah. the inner workings of him with, with with James Harden? I feel like we just keep getting these, like, nuggets. And then when you keep getting all these little nuggets as they come out and stuff, it's like, what do you believe? What do you not believe? It's kind of like these, these, uh, these trade rumors we're talking about with Tobias Harris right now. And then it goes back to what we talked about on Thursday. Daryl Morey, I think, has more leverage at the deadline than he does right now. And I don't that's why I don't think Tobias Harris is leaving anytime soon. And that's why I was I would have been shocked if Tobias Harris was traded on draft night. And well, and I do like the other half of people too. If you look at the replies to the peanuts thing, like half of the people are telling him to drag Keith, and the other half are telling him to get off of Twitter and just figure out how to get past the second round. Daryl Morey, I think, has probably lost uh, a good portion of his uh goodwill with yeah even the people who were his most staunch supporters, you know? So there is something to be said for like, Hey, why are you like dicking around on social media and responding to a reporters thing? Here's the other half of the two pig. And like the Sixers don't come out. The Sixers do come out every so often and they'll like refute something. I remember Schaller has gone on Twitter before and said, I think he called Chris Sheridan's report, like a steaming pile of garbage or something like that. Something about the Brett, it was a Brett Brown report or whatnot. And, you know, Maury comes out here and, you know, suggest that Keith's report on the Suns is full of shit or whatever. Okay, well, that's it's curious because it's like, you know, are you going to do that for these reports but not everything else? So you're willing to come out and suggest that some stuff is bullshit but not everything else. You know, so we, sorry, we to then assume that some of the stuff that does come out otherwise does have some truth to it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's interesting to study the, the pattern. You go back and, like, make a case study out of what they respond to versus what they don't respond to. You know, and try to like see if there's any patterns there. And you have to kind of shout out Daryl Moore because he was getting raked through the coals during the whole Ben Simmons stuff. And everyone was like, he's making, he's asking for outlandish deals. He's doing this, he's doing that. Yeah. He's, not, he's not negotiating in fairness yeah. right now. And then he goes out and gets James Harden. And whatever, everyone can, you know, you'll have people who say it was a great deal. You have people who say it was a shitty deal. But remember the deals that were going to get thrown out there. Like, like I'm trying to remember, yeah. I think like Rudy Gay and like Buddy Healed were like in on a deal at one point. Like, you yeah, know, Tyrese Hall- Halliburton or something. Yeah, Hall- 
Halliburton yeah. and, and maybe De'Aaron Fox. Those are probably yeah. the second. Those are probably the best yeah. deal looking back on the hindsight's 2020 that you could have gotten. But like nobody expected him to get James Harden. So he's dealt with this stuff before when he's had to deal with guys who were, you know, superstars and 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 were and were, were young and making a bunch of money. So, I mean, this is this is nothing mm-hmm. new to him. So I think he kind of, you know, is he too online? I would say, yeah. I would wish he was a little offline a little bit. I think we should be able to subpoena uh, his yeah. screen time. I'd like to see his average screen time. It's the same um, argument as like with the players, though. It's like if Ben Simmons, we joke about it now, but like really what does it matter that Ben Simmons is at home playing Call of Duty after a game or something like that? You know, I mean, what do we expect these guys? to Do we expect Daryl Morey? It's like the Jonathan Gannon preparation story. Do we expect Daryl Morey to like be nonstop studying his – free agent list and and updating the whiteboard you know like it, it, it inevitably it's like they've done the work that they need to do and you're not you can't do eight hours of just like what talking to agents on the phone at, at some point like time has to elapse developments have to occur and uh, it, it, it's funny it's more like an optics thing than than anything that's really meaningful it's like get your dumb ass off of twitter and go uh, get us yeah. out of the second second round that's what it is it, it, it's yeah. the optics thing it's like hey how about i mean i i don't i don't know the last time Embiid's even shown his face since they uh since they lost in the second round it's <laughs> hard same thing like a lot of those guys haven't even shown their faces i've seen no. i've seen more highlights of and is of Jaden Springer than I've seen of Joel Embiid or I've seen of of, of James Harden and everything because those guys yeah. have just kind of just gone off the grid. Good for them. I mean that's that's fine by me. I'm yeah. just kind of the same way with Daryl. It's like Daryl, we don't have the you don't have the greatest uh, Q score right now. Your your detractors are starting to become detractors in the city of Philadelphia. Even your staunchest fan of yours. So yeah. it's kind of just like yeah, you know, great great GIF, great use of the peanuts GIF. I'll, I'll give you that one, but. I would, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I would just reiterate, and maybe Anthony can kind of back me up on this when he comes in. You can pull him up now if you want to. But it's morning, just, I think there's so many. Anthony and I, I think said at one point we would do an entire podcast on this topic because it was just, um, you know, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes with you know sources come and go. Some people are full of shit. Some people are like when I was chasing the Missinelli thing, like I, I took a break for like a month. I'm like, I don't, I don't need feel the need to chase any story ever again after all the bullshit that I digested trying to just learn like why he, you know, up and walked, walked off the, you know, quit his show. Right. I mean, cause you just get fed so much crap um, that it's just uh, crazy. You know, Anthony, what's going on? You look super blurry. Are you, yeah, I was are you? just, I was just typing in the private chat. Can yeah. you wipe your camera? You're a little fuzzy. Yeah. I don't know what that is. So yeah, I, it, it's, it's been a, there you go. Better? It's a little yeah. better. Yeah. A little better. You got a reflection on your glasses, though, now. You look like LeVar Burton in uh, Star Trek. Jesus Christ, and first podcast? There we go. <laughs> Happy? <laughs> I ain't going to be able to read any comments now. I can, Good. I can see you guys. I can't read any sh- comments. So You shouldn't be reading any of the commenters because typically they're just Ford and he's yelling about something. So we'll yeah. read them for you if anything's good. Although, although I did see a, a reference to um, a shot at Cordell and Cordell in the comments before I took my glasses off. I wanted to ask Kev if he has heard the new lawyer advertisement that's now playing on the radio. The Southern guy who was asking about getting out of, uh, getting out of your timeshares. No, but wait, hold on. Did you guys realize that after Cordell came on the show, I guess last year, there was an advertisement that started to go on, on the fanatic and WIP where he was taught where Cordell would come on and he'd say, I'd like to think that, uh, I'd like to think that our success is due to more than just our marketing. 
Because <laughs> he was like like aware of the fact that people just loved the commercials and were yeah. repeatedly over the, the head with them. So he was like, hey, we're like a legit firm too. It's not just like this catchphrase. Well, yeah. have, well, you know? well, when you're listening to WIP next time, pay attention to see if you hear the one with the guy who's telling you how he can get you out of your timeshare. Okay. All right. And it's another law firm. It's yeah. and it's another guy who's probably based in Tennessee somewhere. Florida. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. he's based somewhere and not here. Yeah. As you could tell by his accent. And I was thinking of you. I was like, this is going to be the next Cordell and Cordell, this commercial. If this right, well, get me his name. We'll get him on the show. If Cordell <laughs> took five years to get on the show, then this guy will only take like three. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Aunt. Yeah. Big weekend for you, my man. Between covering Holy the field, you, that was a great article. All right, I won't. I won't say I read all of your five thousand word articles. Thanks. But that was a great article you did on Saturday. That uh, I think you published on Sunday afternoon. If anyone gets a chance to go back and read it, and basically recapped his entire day of reporting uh, the Kevin Hayes presumed trade. I think he had a water leak in his in his uh, in his living room. He was covering mm-hmm. the Phillies at the same time, just working the sources. The the, the woge of the Flyers. Um, <laughs> We appreciate everything you do here. Where are we at in this Kevin Hayes to St. Louis deal? I just saw Tory Krug won't waive his no trade clause, but he also removed everything blues related from his social media. Elliot Friedman was reporting that the Flyers might have gotten to Krug to reconsider at one point because Leclerc also had the same agent that he has now. Mm-hmm. Cam Atkinson supposedly communicating with him and everything. What happens now? That's a great question. I, I, I don't. I don't think that the deal as they had agreed to it on Saturday is likely to get done in time. Um, That would have to happen before the draft tomorrow night because it would mean the Flyers getting one of St. Louis's first round picks. St. Louis has three first rounders um, and two of them are at the back end of the first round. And one of them was uh, one of those. I'm not sure if it was 25 or 29, uh, but one of those was coming to the Flyers. Uh, in this deal. Um, Tory Krug does not sound like he's going to waive that no trade clause. I mean, I guess anything is possible in the next 24 hours. He could change his mind, I guess. But from what I was told this morning, it's not likely to happen. Um, and they did. They put the all you know full court press on him. Um, Louis Gross is his agent. Louis Gross uh, was John LeClaire's longtime agent. Um, when LeClaire was a player. So uh, they try to go through LeClaire to talk to Gross to see if they can like convince Krug to come. Um, and from what I understand, this is more about off-ice stuff than it is about on-ice. Um, they just had uh, – Tori and his wife just had their third child. Um, and the notion of moving his family uh, yet again at such a time when they have a newborn is maybe not the most ideal thing. Uh, Cam Atkinson reached out to him as a player who recently moved to the area. I mean, it was just what two years ago that he that he moved here, um, and and to try and tell him about all the the good of South Jersey, the great school districts in South Jersey, great jimborees that. that are around. Yeah. For <laughs> exactly, exactly, jimborees and all that Nannies. stuff. Um, and yeah, there was a thought. I guess uh, Sunday night, I I had gotten a note that. Um, that Krug had not completely 100% ruled it out um, and that the Flyers were going to be doing this on Monday. Um, but I heard this morning that that Krug told uh, Doug Armstrong in St. Louis, uh, who's the GM there, that it was not going to happen. Um, 
So the Flyers are kind of at a point now where they have to uh, – Kevin Hayes is still going to end up in St. Louis, but it's probably going to be more of a salary dump than anything else. I don't think you're going to get a lot in return for him. Um, and Danny Breer is going to try and move Sanheim maybe somewhere else. The thing is, is I'm not convinced that Sanheim alone gets you the first-round pick. I think St. Louis was willing to get up the first-round pick because Kevin Hayes, even though he's got a bad contract, does have value. He's a 50 50- point player a season right so if you're getting a defenseman and a and a center then yeah you'll give up one of those give up that first round pick right so that's why st louis was willing to do it because they were putting the two together i i don't know if that that there's a team that's willing to give up a first round pick for samheim sandheim alone unless the flyers are willing to throw somebody else in a value then maybe i mean but that's that's kind of where that's at How's the St. Louis Blues goalie situation? <laughs> Jordan Bennington, man. I mean, he was uh he's got a he's got his name on the cup. He got him to the cup a few years ago. Has not been good since. Really, mm-hmm. last year was terrible. Um, Flyers aren't trading Carter Hart until after the end of July. It cannot happen. Okay. Why because, can't it happen? Because of the pending investigation yeah. into the Team Canada thing, race the rape trial. Um, yeah. that's not being released until late July. It's because the NH it's on the NHL PR schedule, not on what's best for the league schedule. Because it would be best for the league to have that information out ASAP, so teams yeah. could go forth into the draft and free agency, knowing whether or not they're going to have a, their players. Um, not knowing, they got to wait until late July, and by that point, free the draft's over, free agency's over. What are you doing at that juncture? So Carter Hart, by the way, one more year. million and then it becomes a restricted free agent. So after that report comes out, they're going to not have a lot of, it's a small window to figure out what they want to do there. You know, it's not like they got the luxury of kicking the can down the road as much as they do other guys. You know, know, the the good news is, is that they really like Sam Urson. Uh, They got the the goalie back from in the Provorov trade from LA, who's just a backup really at this point in his career, but they have him. They have another young uh, kid. I think he's Belarusian. His name's Kolosov, who they really like a lot. They think could be, you know, come over eventually. Um, You you know, everybody's like wondering, is Ivan Fedotov going to come over? You know, that that's a long shot, but I mean, I mean, is it a possibility? I guess it remains a possibility, but they have depth in that position for once. They never have depth in goaltending, but for once they do have depth in that position. So even if the heart thing, it comes out in late July and it, and Carter's not tied to that investigation, if he's, he's cleared and everything's okay, I still think that there's a possibility that he can be, that he can move him before, there before any, the start of the season. Are there any teams that, you could see or that you've been hearing uh for carter hart yes um i mean i mean nothing that's nothing that's solid i mean there's there are teams that are are interested i mean toronto is interested um uh montreal is interested um i would think that there's a potential link to edmonton but it's probably probably not going to be long that I think Edmonton's got other things that they want to try and do. And they, they did, you know, they do like the kid Skinner who played for them at the end of the year, probably willing to give him a chance. I think that their, their, their interest is more tepid at the moment, but there are teams that would instantly take Carter Hart. He's a, he would upgrade them automatically. What, what would he fetch like pick wise or player wise? Uh, if, if everything, if he's cleared, completely cleared yeah. and everything's fine, he'd get you, he'd get you a late first rounder for sure. Um, probably a prospect even tied to that as well. 
Okay. Yeah. The Tony D'Angelo thing. Uh, the snag was it's like a like a NBA thing. He can't go oh. right back to the team that just traded him. There were two snags. Um, the initial snag had to do with how much the Flyers were going to retain and tying that to are they get you know there's a the player that they would be getting back from Carolina is unsigned currently so there's a little bit of you know we have to make sure that we can get him signed that he would agree to sign beforehand that was the initial snag with the deal that they got past that one right then they submitted the trade they absolutely submitted it to the league and the league went yeah wait a second we're not going to allow this and both teams are are appealing it. Both teams think it's the league's being ridiculous, and the league is being ridiculous. The, the, just as a ex- quick explainer, you can't trade a player from one team to another and then have that team trade the player back to you within a year and retain salary because it's viewed as a way of circumventing the salary cap. In other oh, words, okay. Okay. the Carolina would be finding a way to, to dodge the, the, the you know some of the money. The problem here is, and where the Flyers and Hurricanes are absolutely correct and the league is, is, I believe, wrong, is even though by the lettering of the wording of the, con- of the, of the CBA, um, that, is, that can't happen, this contract was not given to Tony D'Angelo by the Carolina Hurricanes. It was given to him by the Philadelphia Flyers. They traded for his rights and then negotiated a new contract. So Carolina did not trade the contract that they are now acquiring and the Flyers are retaining 50% on. So yeah. that, in essence, should not be limited by what Carolina is trying to do. Um, secondly, it was it was a contract that was given out by a general manager who is no longer even in place. So, I mean, you, you know, there's a lot of things that that I think the Hurricanes and Flyers have going for them. So the league's the league has agreed to talk with the Flyers and the Hurricanes at the draft in Nashville this week, hopefully to come to some sort of resolution this week. If not, they only have to wait until July 9th to finalize the trade. Now, a lot can happen between now and then, right? There are free agents out there. There are other trades that could happen, whatever. But free agency is going to be so bad this year. There's so few players of, of value, especially on defense, that I still believe that trade will go through July 9th if it's not settled at the at the draft in Nashville this week. All right. What I want to talk about is I want to talk about my boy. You know, I've been doing a lot of draft prep. Yeah. I've got one guy on uh, my mind. I, I can't wait to hear you pronounce his name. Well, I'm calling him Maddie Mishkov. That's what I'm Maddie? Calling. Maddie? Yeah, I'm going to call him Maddie? I'm, I'm Americanizing his name. He's Maddie, Maddie Mishkov. Mishkov forever. Frank, uh, Frank Saravelli, our boy, uh, reported Flyers are looking for more first-rounders to package to potentially move up and draft yeah. Mishkov. They already have seven, and they have number 22 in this draft. Uh, where do you see Mishkov being selected? Do you think they'll be able to get a first-rounder? Do you think he might be able to fall to seven? What are you kind of looking at right now? I don't think he falls to seven. So here, there's there's a couple of things to take into consideration here. Obviously, we all know that there's concerns about Mishkov because he's Russian, and we don't, you know, the, the situation in Russia right now is crazy. And but he's over here right now, right? He's here for the draft, but he's only here for the draft. They're going back. But his family's here. He's yeah, here. I know. You want to you want to go into that whole conspiracy theory that they're just going to let him defect. There's um, a civil know, war a, going on. Seek, ha- seek asylum. But you right? know it happens. Like when when the Cuban soccer yes. players yes. come here, they I'm just fuck off and they and they I, don't come back. I, I don't think. I, I'm gonna get- 
Craig, what are you doing back there? Well, Craig was playing something behind yeah, the I was like, what the hell was that? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, no, I, I don't think I don't think Mishkov is over here to stay. I, I, now I could be completely wrong. I don't think he is. I think he's going to go back and play his two years in the KHL or three years in the KHL, whatever it ends up being, um, and, and then come back and play for the NHL team that drafts him after that. Do I think he makes it to seven? I don't. Um, I, I think he's going to get picked before that. He's arguably the second best player in this draft um, behind Connor Bedard. The, 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 but, the, but there is, a, you know, people, some teams are skittish. They don't want to wait and see, and they don't want to risk such a high pick on a, on a Russian player. And I, I understand why. The Flyers are not afraid of it. The Flyers are like, we're going to suck for two years anyway. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's take a chance on him, okay? Um, I think he's probably going in the four five range. If it, you know, so the, the Habs, you know, I heard well, Montreal's the team that Montreal you want to trade with. That you want to trade with. I mean, San Jose is at four. I don't think they're going to trade out of that spot, mm-hmm. but I'm not convinced that they'll take Mishkov either. So he, if Mishkov makes it to five, Montreal's the team. Now the Capitals also want him, and the Capitals feel like they can get him over sooner because. Ovechkin, right? I mean, there's yeah. the thing. I mean, he won't even leave Nashville. He'll go right, right. to DC. He'll go right to DC. There you go, right? Yeah. So the Caps are are at eight. So they're a spot behind the Flyers. So I think what the reason Danny Briere, with Frank's report, is wants another draft pick is because he wants to have enough ammunition to either scare off the Caps or to say to Montreal, "We'll beat whatever offer Montreal uh, that Washington offers you," and then flip from seven to five. I do think you're going to, it requires at least one first rounder, maybe a, a second rounder as well, maybe another first rounder. I mean, the player is that good. He's that, that talented. And every, you know, if he's going to come over here and play, he will be in a generational type player. And that's who the Flyers want. That's what he's yep. going to try and do. What what is he like? Because people are like his puck handling is up there with Bedard. His shot making, his offensive skill is up yep. there with with everybody. And then you look at kind of like the Russian guys who fell in the draft before, like Kunetsov, Vasilevsky, Tarasenko, all have rings, all been top five of their positions and stuff. And probably if you did a redraft, you knew how, that they would actually come over. They would have all been top five, top ten picks and whatnot. Yeah. What do you tell people who like might be a little worried about drafting the the old good Ruski? Yeah, it's it's it. Look, the reason people are worried is because, especially even more so this year, aside from the political climate, is because of that they have not been able to go over and actually physically see him play. Everything that they're watching is completely on video, Um, and again, you're only getting highlights you're not getting full game video so therefore saying well great everything that we're seeing is fantastic but what are we not seeing and that's that's the that's the concern now the fly most teams have uh, a russian scout and the flyers do they have one that's over there and they believe that you know their russian scout has said this is a can't miss this is a go get this guy. He's a can't miss prospect. If, if he's there for you, you have to take him. So I think that that's kind of where the 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 hesitancy is, is because they haven't been able to get their own eyeballs on them. But I don't think that the Flyers are worried about that. I think the Flyers recognize that that's the kind of player that they need to expedite a rebuild. And that's who they're going to go and try and get. Now, will they be successful in doing that? I'm not convinced that they will. I, I think that there's a chance that, Maybe even one of the teams earlier might be um, sandbagging it a little bit and may actually take him. 
uh, whether that's Anaheim or Columbus, um, we'll see. But uh, if if it's possible, Danny will make that move. And if not, then you know he'll stay at seven and, and get a good player, but it won't be a generational player. Who would it look like you would say at seven if Mishka's not there? There's a couple of names. Um, Ryan Leonard is the guy I think a lot of people would probably like. He plays a lot like Matthew Kachuk. Um, and we just saw what he brought to the Florida Panthers. I heard that guy. Cup, he's got to right? be good then. Yeah, he's pretty good, right? I mean, and and Leonard is an American kid who plays the v- very similar style. A uh, good scorer, got a nasty streak to him, right? Plays with an edge. Uh, it's good. He's a good player. Sounds like um, a Philly guy. Yeah, well, and he would be he would be beloved here. He would be beloved here. Um, the other name that I hear, and probably the fans won't like as much, but from what I understand, is a supremely talented player as well and could actually be an all-star level type player is Dalabir Dvorsky. Remember that name, Dalabir mm. Dvorsky. It's a center from, uh, I don't want to get it wrong. It's either Czech Republic or Slovakia. I'm not sure which one it is. I forget. I apologize for we'll not get remembering. IT on that, Craig. Yeah. Yeah. I forget exactly which, which, which country it is. D-V-O-R-S-K-Y. D-V-O-R-S-K-Y. Yeah. Dvorsky. Yeah, that's what you get with Joe Cordell. That's yeah, you you, that's right. Exactly. If you if you're filing for Dvorsky, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of scouts who really like him as a player who think he can be a, a, an all star caliber, kind of along the lines of um, Kopitar, Anze Kopitar uh, in L.A. Who's in his thirtieth year in the league? It's yeah, like, so that's 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 kind of like the player that that you're looking at there. So I still think that there's uh, there's that, and then Zach Benson's another guy. I mean, I, I see that you just put that that up. Um, I don't think Benson's as good a scorer as Leonard is, but Benson's another guy that has that kind of mean streak, physical play. You know, he's going to get in your face and be another guy that they would love in this city for sure. Um, I think Leonard is the better offensive talent of the two. He's a, but so Benson, would, in my mind, would be third. Everybody said, well, what about defense? They need defensive players. They really do. There's only really one – there's two, maybe two defensemen that are that are worth drafting in the first round. Reinbacher out of Austria um, and uh, uh, the Swedish kid. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. It's a hyphenated last name. Um but uh, it's, it's like I think there's a Sadine. No, I'm not Sadine. Oh, I don't. I don't like hyphenated names. I had a I had a basketball coach who once told me he didn't yeah. recruit hyphenated names because they were soft. Because because the father didn't let didn't make the mom take yeah. his last yeah, name. I know, right? There you go. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't recruit guys with hyphenated. Sounds like names. sounds like something three three year <laughs> Letterman would say. On <laughs> did, I wonder. I wonder. Did he ever make it to the, the to the next level, or did was high school coaching with like? Uh, he played. He he coached his career ball, and uh, he never had a win record there and it was one of those ones where it was like he made he almost made it to the big leagues he played like semi-pro ball then somehow he just found his way to coaching basketball, yeah, yeah, play basketball. he thinks the kids are playing too much Fortnite these yeah. days and not not uh focusing yeah. enough on their craft hey and it with you know it's interesting to me is like from an admitted casual perspective i just like the it seems like danny's being aggressive you know i yeah. mean he was moving on ivan provrov right away then we get reports about Hayes and Sandheim and D'Angelo and Carter Hart's floated out there. And then you hear about packaging picks to trade up, which whether these are the right moves or not, I mean, he's not fucking around, really. So nope. I I appreciate that, number one. I just the thing that, that fascinates me is like inevitably I, I like I keep 
comparing this in my head to what the Sixers did with the process or what, oh, they, what we learned, what we learned from the process, like how much of a rebuild is too much. How aggressive do you want to be? Yeah, and what's I, realistic? What's not realistic? Because it was up to me. I'd trade everybody. And, and, you know, and that's, yeah. I'm glad you said it that way, yeah. Kevin, because I think that it is what you learned from the process. Yeah. You, you, you can go too far, right? You can, <laughs> I like that. That's good. Um, you, you can go too far with, with tearing, stuff down the flyers won't say this out loud but secretly they believe they can be competitive in three years they they believe that by year three if they do this the right way they get they can be back in the mix for for the playoffs that's that's realistic that's realistic yeah. as much as everybody likes to talk about the six processing lasting 10 years or eight years or whatever arbitrary number they want to put on it i mean they made the playoffs for uh the fourth season after the original tank you know yeah. i just think the main th- i think the main thing that the flyers have to do that the sixers got wrong was look i'm all for like i know you're not going to move ryan ellis and sean couturier and like cam atkinson's a question mark. There's, there's question marks based on various guys with injuries and no trade clauses and and, and whatever but the sixers ran a bunch of kids out there pretty much for the most part and they threw them to the wolves Every night, and yeah. only, they had like one year of like Luke Ba Mute, and then they had like Sergio Rodriguez on the back end. But they did, they didn't really like, yeah. they didn't really mix in enough like veteran presence to like help out your like your your Wade Allison's and your Owen Tippets and stuff like that. You can't just roll out a bunch of twenty four year olds next year and expect that anything's gonna. Have, like you got to get that timeline matched up. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. And I and I think that the difference too is is that. Really, when you looked at the process era teams, they were they were really. I mean, which which one of those guys were really going to stick around? Like they really didn't keep any of them. I mean, it was. I mean, Embiid obviously, but other than that, really, that was it. Starch I mean, would have been like the only one that probably that wasn't a top five pick that you could have seen. Well, they had guys who went on to be decent players yeah. for other teams, but it's almost like they were never they never were They're taken not- that seriously. I mean, like Jer- Jeremy Grant, yeah, and yeah, Rocco. Robert Covington, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, I mean, they always kind of had eyes on like these are placeholders until whatever. Right. I mean, for the Flyers, they got to mix it. Shit, I would take like one year of Wayne Simmons to come finish his career here if you're gonna like, as opposed to throwing a bunch of like, um, you know, yeah, yeah, and I, on the, on the- and, and I think you're gonna see some veteran guys come in, um, whether it's through trades and they're just gonna take some contracts or the free agents that they do sign will be short-term one to two year contracts that they bring in. Um, but yes, they're going to, the difference is, is the flyers want their young players that they're going to play to be part of the team when they are good. They don't want to just say, well, let's just get bring, let's these, let these young guys play and then we'll move them too. That's not what their plan is. Their plan is, is to let these young guys come in and become the new core and and become part of what makes this team a playoff team again in three years. So that's, I think, another slight difference between the two. Um, so, yes, there are lessons to be learned from what the Sixers did. Not to say that it was completely bad, but it was not – There was it, it probably went too far, and I think that the Flyers are looking at it and say, okay, we could do part of that, just we don't want to be completely that poor. Will the NHL force Keith Jones and Danny Briere out if they continuously lose for the next two to three seasons? <laughs> no. The NHL is not going to force anybody out. would come back from the dead. If, 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 they, if, if they've allowed the Arizona Coyotes 
to operate in the way that they've operated for the last decade, they ain't forcing anyone out of any position. I can promise you that. How here's the question. I can ask this in one of two different ways. We can go down the list and look at the individual situations for each, each guys, or I can ask you generically, is there anybody who is untouchable or should there be anybody who's untouchable? Um, and if so, what is the determining factor for that? Is it age? Is it being, is it matching up with the timeline? Is it contract length? I mean, like is TK off limits. Where are you drawing the line? No, the, I tell you the only player right now that's off limits in, in their mind is the kid that they drafted a year ago, Cutter Gauthier. Hmm. I think that's the only player in their mind that we say, no, nah, we're not, we're not trading him. Hmm. Um, other than that, any player that was on the roster last year is available. Now, there are some that are probably a little bit harder to pry away. I mean, they're not going to trade Owen Tippett, right? They're not going to – they're um, – Farabish, 23 years old. Yeah, right? they're probably not. I mean, although they would consider it. I think yeah. they would consider it if it was the right offer, but you're probably not moving Farabish. What about Lawton? Because Torts loves Lawton. So Lawton's an interesting one. I, they don't want to move Lawton. I think Lawton is kind of that character guy that, that Kev was just talking about that you need on a team with a bunch of young players. He was already kind of their de facto captain a year ago, even though he didn't wear a C. Um, but I think that when you look at it and say, okay, if, they, if somebody's willing to offer me more than he is worth – then yeah, I'll I'll trade Scott Lawton. You know, it'd be a tough it'd be a tough conversation, but we'll do it. Um, but we'd rather hold on to him. So I think that you know he's not untouchable, but at the same time, they'd prefer to keep him at this point. They have just a couple of the guys at the top here. Ryan Ellis has four more years at six point two million. Flyers can just throw him on long term injured reserve. Leave it. Not at least for, I mean, at least for two years, yeah. you don't have to worry about it because they, they've basically said we're not going to be good for two years. Right. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter. Throw him on LTIR. You don't have to take him and try and move that salary to another team to put on LTIR until you're ready to compete and you need that six million dollars in cap space to put a player on your or player or two players on your roster. Sean Couturier is not going anywhere until people know if he can even play or not. Correct. Um, Correct. But your thought was that seven and three quarters of a million dollars may not be too much money to ask for what he is if he's healthy a year if, a year from if he's healthy and he can be himself um then yeah i mean look the, the the salary cap has not moved because of the pandemic and next year just because there's still a little bit more of the that of the escrow that has to be paid off by the players and it's a very small amount of, no, of money but but Gary Bettman's sticking to his guns. And so he's only raising the cap, I think, a million dollars this year. Um, th there's there's limits, right? And you look at that 7.75 million, you go, oh man, that's a lot of money for a guy who hasn't played in two years. And you're right. But that that salary cap's gonna jump probably about four or five million next year, and then probably another four or five million the year after. Yeah. So by the time the Flyers are ready to compete again, you're looking at a salary cap that's gonna be over $90 million. And he's only going to be worth 7.75. And if he's himself as a second line center at 31 or 32, that's worth it. And you might yeah. want to and you might want to keep it. Now, if he's not himself, if you're seeing that he just can't be with the player he once was, then you might want to try and move off that contract if you can. I think the guy who's like right in the middle of this thing, like the pivot point for is he part of the future or is he on the wrong side of the the timeline here is is Konechny, obviously, because he just turned 26, mm -hmm. 61 points last year. Yeah. 
career high. Got got past thirty goals for the first time, right? Two years at five and a half million. But by the time the Flyers are going to be ready, you know, he's going to have to have a new contract, and he's going to be twenty eight. Yeah. So now I think I think that there's value in him now, and I think that this is the time to trade. Well, that's the other thing, right? I mean, like how how do you balance like guys like him, him and Atkinson, who may be able to like guys who are on the cusp of like they may be able to contribute here, but we can also get value for him. Yeah, Atkinson's another guy. He didn't play at all last year, so I think that you need to see him play a little bit first. Um, But I think that that's certainly a contract that can be moved at the deadline for sure. If if Atkinson's having any semblance of an of an Atkinson type year, I think that that's a guy that can you can move. But um, I don't I don't think Konechny's value will ever be better than it is right now. He's got a very palatable contract for a second line scoring option on a very good team. Um, he's still young uh, and he plays the game the kind of way you want if you're a contender. Like he's got that you know he's got a little bit of moxie to his game as well. So. I would I would suggest that yes you should try and move Travis Konechny now and I wouldn't be surprised if that happens here um, maybe not tomorrow before the first round but I think that that's that could be something that happens before July first when free agency kicks in. Okay. Real quick follow up on Atkinson. Yeah. Because um, I don't think we talked about it on the show or at least with you. Um, Overrated or underrated him coming up at the end of the year and saying that the Eagles doctors found his uh I don't even know I can't even remember what the hell the injury was. It was a, it's a it was a so it's a neck injury, but it was impacting a muscle in his in his arm. Right. And it okay. was yeah, it was going to potentially ruin his career if he didn't get it get it fixed. Um are you asking me if he's an overrated player or an underrated? No, no, I'm asking or, if, or we, the situation. if we, I thought that was a huge – that sounded huge to me that, like, he had to go to <clears> – well, <throat> look, here's the thing. The, the guy who does that for the Eagles is also, like, the, one of the best in the planet in in dealing with those specific types of injuries. So, to me, it was less of an indictment. I don't know how much of an indictment it was on the Flyers medical staff or the no. people that he saw went back to see in Columbus versus, like, hey, they, the Eagles just happened to have this guy – who works with the team who's like number like top five in the world at diagnosing these things. Yeah, no, and it's not, it, it wasn't just the, the flyer staff blew it and missed it. I mean, the people he went to see in Columbus did not didn't, see didn't this either. It. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. yes, it, it required one of the foremost experts in the field to identify the problem that he had. And, and so it's, it's good for him because he's able to now continue his hockey career um, that maybe he was close, you know, maybe another month or two closer to you know, longer and he wouldn't have been able to play again. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's kind of an underrated story if you want to look at it from that perspective that, yeah, the Eagles doctor saved his career in a lot yeah, of what's, ways. I can't remember the guy's name is Alexander. Um, yeah, I forget what his name Vic- is. Vicaro. Vic- yeah. Vicaro that, that, yeah. It's something like that. It's like, Vicaro. Yeah. 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 I think he was, he was, he's affiliate, like he's affiliated with the Eagles, but I think he's like uh Jefferson spine or God, I can't, I can't remember, but yeah. Uh, him. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I wanted to ask real quick, Kyle, I'm sorry. Um, can you, can they get off of Ristolainen's four years? Mm, yes. Do they want to? No. Um, and I say that because I know Keith Jones is a big believer in the way Rasmus Ristolainen plays. If Risto has a similar season to the one he had last year, 
then I think that there's still va- that that contract is valuable. That's a that's a good contract to have. It's a player who's you know not hurting you and not not damaging your salary cap. If Rasmus Ristolainen falls back into the way he was playing prior to last season, then that contract is a little bit more of an albatross. But I do know that there are teams around the league who think that Rasmus Ristolainen is a player that is valuable to them, would be valuable to them. You're always looking for defensemen. He's, you know, you just saw, if you watched any of the Stanley Cup and the value of a Radko Gudis, for example, for the Florida Panthers. I mean, wasn't as valuable here when he played here, but he was really valuable to that team in the playoffs. Rasmus Ristolainen fits that mold, and teams see that and think that there's legit value to it. So I, I think that I think that if he plays the way he played last year or even you know improves yet again, that's a good deal. But if if not, if he takes a if he has a regression year, then yeah, you should try and move off of it. All right, I want to get a Phillies Phillies point in before you leave, since you the are Phillies baseball. Well. They take two or three from the Mets this week weekend. Luckily, it wasn't pretty. They needed two Mets errors on uh, on Friday. The they Bats the Mets cold. to be the Mets. <laughs> yeah, the Mets went cold Saturday. They they get four runs in the eighth on one hit because the uh, Mets bullpen implodes. At least Cassianos is playing well. Trey Turner's starting to heat up and everything. What's your outlook as we come up to the uh, All-Star game in a couple weeks um, on the fills? What yeah, do you like? I, what do you don't like? Well, I'll tell you what I like. I like the pitching all, all the way around. I think the pitching has fine, has come, you know, has come together. Um, the starters, even though Wheeler didn't have the greatest game uh, Sunday, I mean, you know, guys are going to have games like that. I mean – they just are not everybody's going to go out there and throw 35 starts a year and, and be 35 for 35, right? You're going to have five to seven starts where you go, eh, that wasn't great. Yeah. Um, but all told, I mean, they have the best pitching staff in, in baseball in the month of June, starting their starters, their, their top four have been so good overall. Um, and their bullpen is still very, very good. They, they are missing Sir Anthony Dominguez a little bit. And I think we saw that. Um, on Friday night when, you know, Junior Marte w- was was brought into that game. Um, uh, and uh, was that Friday or Saturday? It was Saturday, I'm sorry. Wrong wrong day. Uh, the day's wrong, right? Um, but uh, so, there, so, yeah, you know, but at the same time, there are – they have depth in the bullpen. And so, like, you've got guys like Bellotti and Brogdon down in AAA right now. And and I think that they're both going to be back in the major league roster soon. So I really like where they are pitching wise. And if your pitching's good, you're in the race. You're in the games. You're you're going to be in every game. And that's why fans get a little bit frustrated with this team because they feel like every game they're in it. And if the lineup doesn't come through, then it's like, oh man, they blew this. Well, the pitchers are good enough to keep you in. So you're going to have games where you pull them out and say, yeah. Way great the offense came through, uh, but it was really the pitching that that kept you in it, right? And then you're gonna have games where you lose, and it's like, oh man, this team stinks. But hey, man, the pitching kept you in it, right? You know, so that's the most important thing. But the that's lineup, what, the lineup concerns me. That's what I look up with. Uh, with I went to the Brace series. There's yeah. only two games, lose both of them, but I mean they're in it till the end almost. They, they could have won, but they could have won both. Their starters yeah. were fantastic in both games. I mean, let's be honest. Go ahead, Kev. Got a breaking news situation that John 
shared with us first in the chat here. Uh, according to Kevin, Kevin Weeks. Weeks, yeah, I'm told the NHL Flyers are trading Kevin Hayes to the Blues for a 2024 sixth round draft pick, though there could be another component to the deal. So it sounds like what you were talking about, Ant, just a salary dump. Yep, yep, that's exactly what you know what we said. Um, I think that was in, in my thread that you put up on uh, on Crossing Broad earlier today. So, which is still, which is still, that was still the key component of of, of getting of of doing that move in the first place was to get off of Hayes. And, 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 yeah, I just heard a text message come through. Was that source one? Was that source two? Was source three? Uh, but I don't know. Uh, let me see. Actually, actually, it was from. It was. I think it was from the Phillies. So believe it or not. Yeah. It was. Okay. Well, Kevin Gregg. <laughs> it was exactly the news to break. All right, <laughs> Jesus. That's exactly what it was. It came from them. It's from the Phillies. Yeah, let's get it back to hockey here. Yeah, yeah. Um, why yeah, do you think Kevin about that? Weeks, just scroll down a little bit, Craig, if you don't mind. Why is Kevin Weeks always like looking up at his screen? So though? Kevin Weeks has this thing that he does. <laughs> this is his. <laughs> so this is what he. This is his shtick, and he started it. I don't know last season at some point, <laughs> where he does anytime he has a new uh, a breaking news thing, he does it from exactly wherever he is when he gets the news. So and he does <laughs> right. a video, and it's he, sometimes he's done it. He's done it on a train. He's done it on a plane. He's He's done it in the arena. He's done it in the studio. In the, I think he did one in, you know, as he was uh, in in a bathroom somewhere. So wherever he is currently, I'm assuming it's somewhere it's in bit. Nashville, right? It's good, because it's a good bit. Well, he's definitely in like a Nashville. I would say that's a Marriott conference room. Yeah, if I've ever seen one. Not definitely not. Uh, those chandeliers do not scream Hilton. Yeah, thank you for the. Look uh, at the wine there. wall. Look at the wine rack behind. Well, there's it, a right? wine wall. Wait, he actually no, did a nice Airbnb or something like that. Yeah, right? I, that's that's pretty good. Unless that's his house and he's not in Nashville. Maybe he's I don't not know. There. Maybe he's Maybe at he's a Predators guy. Like any any is he boys with any of the Predators yeah. GMs or Predators that's, players? I think he's in Carrie Underwood's apartment down there. With, yeah. Who was she married to? Mike Fisher. Mike Fisher. Mike. Yeah, he might be visiting Jay Cutler right now. Carrie Underwood. Wearing a Predators jersey looked pretty hot, by the way. I'm not, you know, so yeah. So that's a guy who waits all day for a Sunday night. Yeah. So there you go. So, uh, <laughs> so as you know, look, it, yeah. look, these things happen, man. I mean, this is this is kind of crazy how this all comes to fruition, right? I mean, you know, you the it's funny, it's full circle because the first thing I heard was Kevin Hayes to St. Louis. And then as that day progressed on Saturday, it was so much more that was being talked about and added to it and this and that. And then we end up getting back, you know, to the to the original point where it's just Kevin Hayes to St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, so it was it's crazy how this all came together. Hey, hey real quick. I, kinda, I, sorry. Where would you see kind of like, I don't know, are there any dominoes that will fall now? Does this does this open up anything for Sandheim? Does this open up anything for well, another guy to get a first rounder or no? No, I, again, I mean, I think if you're trading Ke uh, Travis Sandheim somewhere else, then you are going to have to probably include something else in a deal, something of value to get a first round pick because DK? I don't think, I don't think nah, see, TK, that would be too much. Okay. That'd be too, too, unless you're getting a one and a two, right? I mean, it, it depends on what you're getting back in return. Sure. I mean, you want to say TK go right ahead, but I think it would require you to get more. I mean, I, I don't think that Sanheim alone is not getting you the first rounder. At least I don't think he is. Um, and if you're going to give up something else, okay, fine, but make sure that you're not, you're getting enough for both. Don't sell short on one just to get that first round pick. And that, that's, that's important. So 
Well, I've decided the Tory Krug, you know how we put together like an enemies of the, or uh, I think Spike's guys put together an enemies of the process list that included like Rick Buecher and Howard yeah. and all that. I think Tory Krug is going to be the, he's the first uh, one. On dickhead this. number one. And look, I don't like from the, from the, the philosophy of more than one thing can be true. I don't blame him for not waving his no trade clause. However, he's still a dickhead. Um, right. I mean, look, I mean, look, you but here's, have... the thing. here's the thing. Would you, would you want to play? for a team that wants to get rid of you no no i, I personally wouldn't right so um, it's got to be all about the family right i mean it can't be about anything yeah i mean it's it's totally becomes a it totally becomes a family thing and and look it's 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 his right to to you know yeah. not wave it and and that's and i don't begrudge I don't that at yeah. all yeah. At, at all i don't begrudge it yeah. um but it does make it awkward it does make it awkward to go back and play for a team that was ready to move on from you you know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I was going to ask real quick. Yeah, do the, is, does the uh, does the NHL is there anything in the CBA about how much money you are able to uh, re- retain or or take back or or limitations? Like you can't just like fifty percent dump, dump your entire roster. Okay, fifty percent of of a contract, and then there is there is something else. You're right. I know what you were saying. Like if yeah. you were, you know, if let's say if you want to trade everybody and you retain fifty percent of everybody, you know, you can't do that because you could you could you could eat like all of your salary and just send these guys out and give their ice time to kids instead. Yeah, no, there is a there is a maximum uh, that you are. I'm not a hundred percent sure what it is. I don't want to even speculate it because I'm not be giving out bad information. But there, is, I do know that there is a limit. Like you can't just eat everybody's salary. Yeah. So. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I, just, I think I, it's. I think it's. It. It's a. I think there's a. It's a limit on the number of contracts. Is it per three? Year. Philly, Philly fan is saying three per season. Does that sound? It, right? it might be. That might be right. Yeah. I mean. I mean. It's something like that. I didn't want to, you know, say exactly. And I'm not even sure that that's 100 percent correct. Yeah. Um. But I think it's it's close. I think he's. I think he's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Originally, I guess I was thinking that they could, you know without involving a third team in the deal itself, they could take Tory Krugin and then flip him somewhere yeah. else. But I guess that didn't. Happen. So now, I mean, keep in mind, so they're going to eat some of this contract. They're going to eat D'Angelo's contract. So you're really kind of, I think that's it. I mean, cause I think that they're still eating. Uh, are they still eating one? Uh, to, 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 I think that there's still one more. That they're I'm throwing up the category. They're reading Ryan Ellis' contract because he's not getting Oscar. Yeah, Oscar, Oscar Limb. Oscar. Oh no, Oscar Limbaum was a buyout. Yeah. That's that. They're not. Yeah. That's not a retention. Okay, so no. Hey, Nick. Um, Nick Sealer's still movable too. Yeah. He is, but I again, like I don't think. That, I mean, he's only making seven hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars a year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to think know, of who else they can jettison because I'm currently writing that story right now. The Flyers yeah. should trade everyone. Yeah, so Sealer kind of fits the mold of what you were talking about earlier, though, Kev. I mean, here's a veteran player, you know, who can play with a bunch of kids, and you know, not he's not blocking anyone, um, yeah. and and can certainly be one of those guys. So, um, so yeah, so I think that that's that's uh, you know that that's a guy that probably won't go anywhere. Is that realistic though? The thought, I mean, can you convince a dude who like who was pretty much washed at the end of it, like, hey? We got a rebuild project here. We got a bunch of kids sign here on a one year minimum, or we'll give you like, you know, 2 million a year for a couple of years, help mentor these kids. And then you're out of there. Like uh, what's the guy's name who is towards captain in Columbus? Uh, Folino. Yeah. Nick Folino. Yeah. Like somebody like that. 
come in who and just, help with this project. Who, You're at the end of just, your career. Who just got moved, right? To uh well, I Chicago, guess Chicago has, has his rights, but if yeah. they don't want to, yeah, I know, I don't, you know, right, yeah, I don't know if um, they have plans to keep him or not. But. No, right, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it's, I, I, I think that that's not a bad idea. I mean, but guys have to be willing to accept that that's what their lot in life is at this point in their career, that they are just hanging on for you know that last one year contract that they're going to whatever they're going to get that year. Um, so you, when you mentioned earlier, you mentioned a guy like Wayne Simmons, right? I mean, nobody picked him up after he was let go last year. Um, he's probably not, uh, going to be, be a guy that they want to, that anybody's going to want to give any kind of legitimate contract to. Right. So, I mean, you know, if Wayne Simmons is a guy who's willing to come in at the veteran minimum on a one year veteran minimum deal. Okay. Yeah. That kind of player, but you have to know that you have to know that you're at the end of the line and just clinging for that last contract. Because if you think you're a player who could still help a team win, you're not, you're not going to take that offer from a team like the Flyers. Here's uh, what Frank is saying. Flyers in the process of blah, 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 trade uh, Kevin Hayes to St. Louis. They're going to retain half of his salary. Yep. Half of his salary for the remaining three years of his deal. Yeah. For sixth rounder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got to eat three and a half million for three years, which, you know, man, that's going to give you like 25% for a sixth rounder. Yeah. That's it, it's St. Louis. You got to understand that you got to understand that St. Louis is not necessarily in the best cap position, right? That's so St. Louis's problem. Well, then St. Louis doesn't make the deal. St. Louis doesn't trade for him. Right. right? And then you're stuck. Then you're stuck with his salary on your, on your roster again. Right. So that's what that means. That's what that becomes. Forty-five percent. The original, from or... what I understand, the original deal when they this included Sanheim was it was going to be that they were only keeping about twenty-five to thirty percent. I wasn't sure the exact number, but it was somewhere in that twenty-five to thirty percent range. So now that you take Sanheim out of the mix and you're not getting the first round pick back, they're going to sit there and go, "Well, if you want us to take this guy, we you need to make you know help us be compliant." on the cap and so eat part of it look the flyers don't care about money they're just they're getting rid of a, a player who was taking up a spot on the nhl roster and they're paying somebody else to take him that's well, really and, that's really and what fell out of favor with the coach yeah too, so. yeah. yeah i mean i mean so that's it's and people want to think that, that if people think it's a failure it's not um kevin hayes that was his value okay that was the value because of the contract not because of what he can do as a player because of the contract, I, I don't think he's going to be a great fit in St. Louis. If you want my honest opinion, uh, I think that he's going to be a lot like he was here in St. Louis. He's going to be a player that's going to score sometimes, can be frustrating sometimes, not play great defense. As a big-bodied center, he should be a better face-off guy than he is. He's just okay as a face-off guy. I think that they're going to find similar frustrations in St. Louis with him that they found in Philadelphia. And so the Flyers getting out from under that contract is a good thing. Well, if anyone's got $3.1 million, you can buy Kevin uh, Hart's house down in Old City, or Kevin Hayes, excuse me, house down in Old City. Yeah. Kevin Hart, yeah. Do you think I mean, he... I, uh, I just put the story up on the site. Um, do you think he brings the Biggie painting with words. him? Yeah, I know. I know. The Biggie painting's kind of funny. That was... Didn't we put that up earlier? Yeah, we put that up about a couple weeks ago or about yeah, a month a few, ago. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. My favorite part is the wine cellar that has no wine in it. Yes, that was the best part. <laughs> it's 240 bottle wine cellar. So, I think there was one, wasn't there one one bottle of wine in there? 
Yeah, it was, it was in the top, oh, no. the top center. Yeah, yeah, there it is. There's Here, one, yeah. there's one bottle in there. It's not even wine. I think it might be like a a vodka bottle or something. Yeah, that's the best. I wonder if he brings the sauna. I wonder if the sauna comes with him. That's got to be a bitch to ship. Yeah, that's something else. So everybody just got to see how the sausage is made because I I completed a story while doing this show at the same time. It's only eighty nine words long. But, wow, you know, we got we got it up there. So yeah, give that guy a pat on the back. There you now go. That's gonna be the hard part to see whether I can talk and put this thing on Twitter and Facebook at the same time while proofreading to make sure I didn't screw. Nah, it. Well, that's what the, Kyle and I could just talk. So make yeah, it I, there's one thing I do want to talk about. Are you are you ready to apologize to Josh Shapiro for getting the I-95 rebuilt? No, done in 12 days? no. Why not? No, because Why it's not, not because it's not done. But he. But what? Put, Correct. It's not done. That's fine. I'm all for that. It's Keep incomplete. The main the main They're taking thing. a premature victory lap. Job's yes. not done. But what I'm saying is none of us, when this first happened, none of us had the solution in mind. And he came out with his Are engineer. you kidding? Are you kidding me? Nobody no had, had temp- No. Nobody had Do you, do you honestly growth. think that they were going to keep I-95 closed for six months? A lot of people did. Well, because a lot of people are idiots then. Because they always are going to have an, a temporary solution. There's always going to be a temporary reopen. You just put a reopened six lanes in 66 feet. That's going to be one of the worst bottleneck situations ever. And I can't wait to see people going through that thing when there's a big Sunday Eagles football game trying to get down from Northeast Philly on I-95. Use public transportation. Use the L, baby. It's not going to happen. People aren't going to do it. It's oh, a, people are going to be leaving at 7 in the morning. This, this, is, eight, this, is, this is not done and the other thing i want to say this to mr governor josh shapiro again i voted for the guy let's be i'm gonna be i want to put that out there okay so i do like him as a governor so i don't want this to be a thing where i sit there and say i'm I'm mad at the guy but here's here's josh shapiro doing this grand pr tour over reopening i-95 with a temporary solution and yes maybe they got it done a week faster than they probably would have because the unions decided not to slow play it like they always do. Okay. The unions can always work this fast and never do because they want to make more money. All right. So let's be honest with that. So yes, they got it done a little bit faster, but how come it is for the last three years, every time I drive home at night from Wells Fargo center or citizens bank park on I 95 going South. Okay. Towards the blue route that there has been, Backup after backup after backup as PennDOT works on the same area of the frigging road night after night after night, and it's not getting done. Where is the governor coming in to save that? He just got he just got elected and he's already completed one great project in 12 days. He made it into a sporting event, too, which was really cool. Now he's just got to make I-95 South. 476, he's got to live stream it. Xfinity Live's got to put on one of their million TVs. They've Mm got to put uh, they've got to do Bud Light deals and they've got to do food deals and everything. And the union guys have to become celebrities again. And then, you know, that just happens. And that's how it, and how, and then once they're done, they have to ride the fire truck with the, uh, with the mascots on top of it and they just ride it. And now you can get off your, your precious McDade Boulevard. You can get precious, uh, Plymouth meeting, whatever you want to do. Now you got it. Kyle, I love your naivete. <laughs> I just, I mean, we we, I love we shit on, we shit on, we shit on, no. we shit on in this city. And he did it in it's, 12 it's days. It's not just about the city. See, this is the thing that I think people lose track of. This is not just, oh, it's the city of Philadelphia. Yeah, the city sucks too, okay? But this is PennDOT. This is a state-run agency. You go anywhere in this state of Pennsylvania, and they're not getting their work done. They are so far behind on everything. 
Sure. This is it's it's a disaster. And Maybe so to come in and make to come point. in and just say, look at us for a week and look, oh, look what we did. Let's well, see let's how often Josh Shapiro comes back as they're delaying this thing and waiting four months for the steel to come in to finish I-95. As an internal optimist, let's just say maybe this sets the tone for future projects on the on 95. Let's not leave New Jersey out of this, too, because they're just as inept as PennDOT is. How long yeah, is it? 542 exit down the shore. That can that can get punted to the this, moon. This pisses people <laughs> off because it's like they come in and now let's let's state that Governor Shapiro is a friend of the program, by friend the way. of the program, like Keith Pompey. Yeah. Um, they came in, they filled a hole with a bunch of recycled yingling bottles. Right. And then they pat themselves on the back. Job well done. It's like George Bush on the aircraft carrier when it said the mission accomplished right okay you filled a hole and you did a temporary fix now what the fuck is going to happen until the whole thing is finished you know what i mean like the job's not done they proved to everybody that they can hurry up and put a band-aid on this thing mm-hmm. right so i agree wholeheartedly with anthony uh meantime it takes 15 years to get anything else done or it takes 10 years to fill a pothole so all they did was out themselves like we said that they can get shit done when they need to and when the unions take a back seat they don't milk it Right. Oh, I got this contract that I'm going to, you know, do for 15 years now. You can get you can get this shit. But Shapiro did say this is what we can do. And we all come together. So I would like to think as an eternal optimist that this sets the tone for other things. They set the precedent. They set a new precedent. Now, like you got different expectations. You can't be dicking around down there. You know, three days, three days, Buckley and company. Three days, three days. days. So. When does I know you you live in Delco, so I'm sure you have well placed friends or family that are in the trades. When does this seem to be getting done? Because I don't think they've given a proper timeline. On, I think uh, on I think ultimately thing. this will be done sometime in the fall. Are we saying October, November? That's probably in the that's yeah. I would say late October, early November is my expectation for it to be completed. Okay. But that's what I'm saying. September, it, it's not going to be done in September. And so you're going to, I'm, I'm telling you that Eagles opening game, right, at home Thursday. is a Thursday night. Not only are you going to have people who want to get to that game, you got to have your regular rush hour going to be coming on the 95 at that point, too. I'm telling you that Thursday is going to be a, a mess. Um, and that's when you're going to, that's when you hear, hear people finally really, really complain about it. Well, the good thing is, the Eagles up until week six have three, one, two, three. They have four away games and only two home games, one being on a Thursday night and one being a 1 p.m. game October 1st. October 22nd against the Dolphins, which I believe is a Monday night or a Sunday night, will be the next one. So giving people ample time to go over the newly constructed, temporary, beautifully done roadway, the Josh Shapiro Highway. They're gonna rename it that, right? Like put up a little green, little green it was, sign. It was a little Fucking weird. I will say, it, it was a little strange that like a guy died in this whole thing, right? Yeah. And we're doing like a like a flyover, you know, like a flying the American while the mascots around. I get it. I don't know. We're, we're an unserious little- city. A bunch of idiots around here and stuff. We like to celebrate. We like our mascots. You pander. You you go uh, to to New York and you just say go birds right in Daniel Jones's stupid face. You come to Camden. You're Luke Bryan. You say hey, I'm a dogs fan. You're Taylor Swift wearing a wearing an Eagles sweatshirt into a recording studio. People are going nuts. You're um, Hootie bringing out uh, Jordan Mailata on stage to sing "All Right." We're easy. We're easy. Give us the freaking mascots and 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 get a temporary road done in twelve days. 
you, you've got it eaten out of your hand for he's probably bought himself a month but we got I think from it. a from a political standpoint it was important for the governor who again is a friend of the program to announce himself on the scene right okay. yes everybody's talking about the cameras always oh, got cameras here he's got camera there he's a new governor Mm-hmm. First time doing any kind of position at this kind of level. All right. He's got national eyeballs on him. He's got to put himself on the scene. You know, I yeah. get it. I get it. I thought it was a little bit much. He's, he's bringing content creators down, which I thought was a really good idea. He's got different TikTok guys coming down. He's got the guy from uh, the, the passed out guy who he called out, who he strategically, I think, placed in front of him. Like, oh, my God, you're the passed out guy. Knowing that he probably said hi to him. Like, here's before. what I will say. Here's the interesting connection to all of this as we go on more than an hour now. Um <laughs> The black guy with the with the beard standing yeah. behind Shapiro in all of those videos is Ryan Boyer, who is like the most powerful labor leader in Philadelphia now that Johnny Doc is in jail or wherever he is. Um, Ryan Boyer is in charge of like the the labor uh, or the like the construction unions and the, the the people who are who would be doing the Sixers Arena. Basically, he was a big backer of the Sixers Arena. Um, he was a big backer of Sherell Parker who won the mayoral race. So you see him around. He's a guy who wields power in Philadelphia and their endorsement, you know, their backing of, of Parker was pretty huge. And, you know, they, the Sixers have the backing of, of them as well in terms of creating jobs, should the arena be, be built. So keep an eye on him. He's a, uh, he's a power player. Him and Josh seem to be getting a little comfy there too. So we'll see if, uh, you know, where, where Josh is at on the, uh, well, well he's a Democrat. He's a Democrat. Of course, you got to be. You can't be a Democrat in Pennsylvania and be anti-union. I mean, it just doesn't like exist. It would be like a atheist Christian. You know, I mean, so yeah. well, make no sense at all. Shout out to the shout out to my guy, friend of the program. Did what he had to do. You know, got it done fast. Got it done ahead of time. Nothing. It's never. It's 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 never happened. All right. I just don't like the consistent goalpost movement. I feel like what's coming from my boy and San Francisco. I got I got one last thing for you guys because I what? know we're getting close to wrapping this up, and I think you guys will get a kick out of this. And I, I just I just sent this over to Craig, and I'll ask him to put it up in a minute. Just want to give it a second, okay? So, <laughs> so that's, he's the, the greatest that, producer in the world. I got that's tell awesome. You. That's great. That's great. It's great. So I got to give a little backstory, and then I'll then we'll put it put it up there. So I grew up with a guy, right? Um, who was my child? Like I said, my childhood best friend. His name was Jimmy Hayes, and Jimmy Hayes was um, the, like the best athlete when we were 10, 11, 12 years old. And we all thought like if anybody was going to have a chance to do anything, it was going to be Jimmy Hayes. Yeah. Well, Jimmy Hayes took a different path in life and, and never really became an athlete. Um, and, na- and now he's just a little, uh, he's a little wacky. Like he's one of those guys who goes after chases Bigfoot and, you know, and, 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 and the like, and, you know, Hey, he, he likes to, he, he likes to, you know, smoke the, the wacky weed every once in a while too. The guy's a little, a little bit out there. Um, anyway, so I go on TV the other night. I was on, on Sunday night. I was on both Fox and CBS, uh, three Fox was live in studio. CBS three was pre-recorded. He apparently watched one of them and saw me talking on there about Kevin Hayes and the trade that was you know now announced today. And this is, this is no, he's got no, no relation, not related. Not related. Okay. Yet. This is what he posted on Facebook. Go ahead, Craig. Uh, 
I'll read it. I love when I see people I grew up with talk shit about me and they're my age and look like they're fucking 60 and overweight, disheveled. Just let go. LOL. Tree sloth better do something. LOL. I don't know how you cover a sport you can't play or fucking even skate. You can't relate to something when you can't do it. Such a fucking joke. How they let you speak about hockey when you can't play or even skate. Sit down, Trump. So he was mad about your reporting on Kevin Hayes that Kevin Hayes is going to get dealt. He thought I was talking about him. On television, wow. <laughs> they might be doing a little bit more than weed. There might be some little extra correct. I was, I was in tears. I was in tears when I Ooh. saw this. How do so you know I he thought, was talking about you? Because oh my god, it's it's who else you talk? Who else is he talking about? Who else is he talking about? This was it was True. put out right after I was on TV, like True. immediately <laughs> after True I was on great. television talking about Kevin Hayes. And the funny thing uh, is, is he played this guy apparently plays in an over 50 men's hockey league. So he thinks you're covering beer league hockey. So he thinks I'm talking about him on television. <laughs> Jimmy Hage is going to get dealt to the, you know, the Delco <laughs> destructors, uh, the, the Ridley, the Ridley Ravens retaining his salary, 50% of his salary. Uh, yeah. so, anyway, I just thought that, you know, no. look, we're not friends on Facebook or anything because I haven't talked to the guy in forever and a day. Someone sent, shared someone else who is a mutual acquaintance shared it with me. And I said, you know what? I'm putting this out there. I didn't know if I was going to No, shout out to Jimmy Hayes. Broadcast, you're right? acting yeah. like a real tree sloth when it comes to this I-95 <laughs> reconstruction, all right? <laughs> um, so, anyway. All right. What you, got, guys uh, a, what you guys would get a kick out of that. You got. You can go. I just got one more thing I need uh, Kevin to react to. All right, I can go. All right, I'll see you. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate Thanks, you coming on. See you guys. Uh, Craig, can you pull this up and put the sound on? So according to to Winhurst, he had a little bit of a slip up right now on uh, NBA on ESPN when he was talking about uh, Damian Lillard. He doesn't want to put pressure on the seven, oop, six, oop, I mean Blazers. So Craig, if you could pull that up and put some sound on. Supposedly, he almost name dropped the the Sixers about Damian Lillard. So once again, from what I understand, the tenor of the meeting was that he doesn't want to put pressure on the seven, on the uh, six, on the Blazers. Oh. Absolutely did not. In fact, oh. what I understand, the tenor of the meeting was that he doesn't want to put pressure on the seven, on the uh, six, on the Blazers. So he absolutely did not. All right, Craig. So there was also another oh. thing he was talking to the Cavaliers about and was just like, I don't want to report anything crazy, but I've heard a lot of things with the Cavaliers that I can't report right now. I'll be in trouble, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hold it, but I have to withhold it. So. Interesting. Three-teamer? Maybe coming? Maybe, you know, some deals that are becoming? That, that's interesting. That, that's winning. funny because I was just about to say that I no longer give a shit about Damian Lillard. I saw the Christine <laughs> thing. And so I'm so sick of hearing about him. Like, I really wake, have, like, wake me up when he decides to, you know, get out of Oregon or whatever, you know. But that is intriguing. And he's he's like every kid ever that came out of college. That like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I want to, you know. I want to do this. I want to do that. I do this for a week. I change what I want to do this week and stuff like Damien, you're, you're exactly right, man. It's like, dude, I know you don't want to go with like, you know, the big three or or a team with stars. You just want to have a team that has a shot. Then sorry, but you're going to be labeled a certain way or or whatnot in, uh, in in NBA circles. Maybe you don't care. Maybe you're, you know, you're stuffing, you know, $200 million in your bank account. Congratulations. But your legacy is going to be affected because, you know, it never seemed like you really wanted to win. Right now, like he was like, I hope we resign Jeremy Grant. It's like, okay, well, I hope Jeremy Grant could take you to a title. Yeah, 
That's good, though, man. That Damian Lillard wind horse thing, that's got cheap clicks written all over it. Oh, yeah. Uh, you want to take right that now. one or I take that one? I, I, take that one. I got the I'm doing the flyer should trade everyone uh, story. Now that we had Ant on the show, I feel like I actually know what I'm talking about now. Yeah. So I was going nice. to run everything by him first, you know. So. Woo! One hour, twenty-eight minutes. We almost did an hour and a half here. That's probably the longest. Good, show. Cr- good crowd, man. We got a lot of people wanting to hear what Ant. Well, when Ant comes on, everybody wants to listen. When it's just us, it's like half the audience. But that's okay. Yeah, our YouTube numbers are skewed towards those hockey that hockey crowd. Hockey hockey fans are loyal, man. I'm telling you, we should pivot. We should pivot off of. Who should we pivot off of? Less Sixers, maybe less Sixers, more hockey. Hmm. But it's not, it's not, it's what I'm saying. It's all cyclical. There's ebbs and flows of what people care about. You know, I mean, think of how much we talked about the Sixers during the process era, right? Because those are like interesting storylines, intriguing shit. Now the Flyers are kind of entering that whatever where casuals can probably follow it too. We can follow the draft. We can follow trading Kevin Hayes and stuff like that. I don't know shit about the top 10 draft prospects. I'm not going to give you my mock draft or anything, but I think the Flyers are going to be more in the conversation now because you're talking about general sporting topics that everybody can kind of uh you know uh we're gonna t- we're gonna rename this podcast run the goalie run the goalie okay. and we're gonna be a flyers centric podcast the only flyers podcast because i don't think i've i don't think i've seen the uh snow the goalie guys put out any content in 14 days so you know nba nfl nhl draft is coming up Briere's wheeling and dealing and and the guys at I think their name's Snow the Goalie. They're just like sitting on their hands right no, now. While, something the goalie, yeah. Yeah, while Run the Goalie is absolutely <laughs> blossoming right now. Run the Goalie. So, yeah. all right. Well, hey, thanks to our new uh, Flyers fans out there. We hope you guys tune in for a lot more Flyers talk. The yeah. Prognosticators podcast, the yeah. the porn the the porn stars podcasts, the uh, the the People's oh. podcast. I'm gonna have you to are. get. I'm gonna have to play some hockey, man, so I can build my credibility here. There's an ice rink up in Hatfield. I'm gonna have to hit up the Hatfield, uh, Hatfield Ice, man. Run Speak some, region. Uh, Guys game. against the boards, fight for pucks. Pucks right. get pucks in deep and uh, block the goalie. I don't know. Sean Avery made a career out of it, so why can't you? Uh, anyway, well, hey, thanks for everybody tuning in. Thanks to new listeners tuning in. We will talk to you on Thursday. Hope you're back here for another episode of Run the Goalie.